And welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We are talking about John Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And returning with us one last time, we are joined by Lorraine Dom Milligan from Legible Scrawl. Hey, Lorraine. Hello. Well, it might not be the last time, Andy. I mean, you know, I have a downer. <laughs> There's a lot of Bucky to get through in the Marvel Cineverse. <laughs> a lot oh, of Bucky. I see. Yep. Right. <laughs> hey, you know, before we before we uh, get started, you know, we should uh, find out a little bit about you and your uh, your Iron Man uh, history. Do you were you a fan of the comic books? What's your what's your connections with the uh, with the film? Originally, very little. I never saw it in the theater. Um, my husband is a, a comics geek, uh, likes both DC and Marvel, and I had to go with him to see uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And I saw the movie and absolutely loved it. <laughs> and Which so that went, was the first one you saw? Yes. So then wow. I went through and watched everything and uh, caught up. That's awesome. And then I did start reading comics after that, but um, mostly Hawkeye and some Winter Soldier comics. Gotcha. The more recent Hawkeye? Uh, I read the Matt Fraction run, and then I just okay. started on the run immediately after that one. There's a lot of good stories out there, so it's nice to see Marvel really, uh, you know, they, they weave a lot of interesting stories in all of their comics. Yes. Well, today we are digging in to Minute 16, which starts with Tony being disagreeable and ends with Tony toasting to peace. We finally find out what uh, what Tony was saying, Pete. Ah, that's how Dad does did it. it. Uh, was it satisfying? That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. I this is <laughs> this is that uh, that bit of machismo, you know, like he's he is about to unleash hell on the planet because he's just shooting rocks, and I find it. Uh, enormously gratifying because there there is nothing that sort of gets that testosterone up like seeing the unabashed use of this kind of firepower. And I am a peaceful person. <laughs> and yet <laughs> when I see it on screen like this, I get very excited. It makes me feel like I've, I'm 15 years old again. Well, they do a great job with it. The one thing that I've been noticing more as I watch this uh, minute over and over and over again is when you get that shot of the Jericho coming up right over the mountain and you're up kind of in the helicopter shot coming down with it, your attention is mostly focused on the Jericho because it's splitting up. But if you look at the mountain below, there are an awful lot of like roads and trails and it makes me really worry <laughs> about who's out here right now. Because this is not the place to be with your goats at the moment. No. You know what? I'm going to. So we don't know about the goats. That's really true. And this thing, like when it hits that hero shot at 45 seconds, 44 seconds in the minute. I mean, it's just massive. I don't know. What What do you think the scale is of, of just how wide the swath of destruction is against that mountain? Uh, I, uh, is a mile? 
I'd say at least a mile, yeah. I think you can get away with it if you look, you know, I'm looking at these roads and villages. They seem like the roads in front of this hillside are like weapons testing roads. Like if you look at a a weapons testing ground, it's full of roads. Like they drive out on these things. And so to allow me to sleep at night after seeing this movie and feeling so good (laughs) about this raw display of power, I have to remind myself, I'm sure it's just the the roads on the base and there are no sheep or, or people. It's not the roads on the base. They're out in the Kunar province. They're more than three and a half hours away from Bagram Air Base. But I mean, it's it's got to be a weapons testing facility. It has to have been vetted. <laughs> Please, Andy. D- d- let I would me like have to this. think that. I would like to think that. It does make me worry, though. Like, why do they drive so far to do this weapons test? Why don't they do somewhere close to the base? Who knows? You're right. Maybe they they found a patch where they're like, okay, let's let's requisition this land. We'll use this to test our weapons. But then again, it seems like maybe it's hostile territory anyway, because the Ten Rings are operating here. Right. <laughs> maybe that's what they were. That's what they were secretly doing. I <laughs> my challenge is a little bit different. My challenge is immediately after this, when you look at the, you know, as the uh, he opens up the cooler of booze, and but in the background of the scene, you see this range of mountains that are still standing proud. I mean, it feels like they're using the same model without having it leveled i don't know if it's leveling the mountains because it's what it seems to be hitting is all the foothills no 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 not the not the high mountains it's this the the low yeah the foothills that get hit and you see that immediately behind the cooler and then behind that is the high mountains that obviously you're they're gonna take more to take down they'll come back and hit Uh, those later yeah as someone who knows next to nothing about weapons I had thought that the purpose of that weapon was the sort of not so much take down a mountain, but take down everything on it because of all the smaller fireworky portions. And so it didn't bother me to see the mountain still standing there, but you would think it would just be wildfire, even though there's not that much vegetation. Or even just changed, right? That just feels like the yeah. landscape should be you know smoldering smoldering <laughs> maybe a few maybe fires some more dust still. i don't know i want to see some residue of the fact that this that they did <laughs> unleash a, a hellscape on this <laughs> set of foothills and i don't see that as their as their toasting so not enough damage not that's enough damage yeah right that's what you need it's I, I interesting that. you brought that up because in my notes i have uh one of the things I like about Marvel is that they do tend to show that sort of collateral damage. And what I had liked about the scene was um, all the army peoples getting their hats blown off. That was such a nice touch. <laughs> um, they they do very good, nice touches like that. But I guess I was focusing on the micro instead of the macro. It's all about the foothills. Lorraine. It's, all about, <laughs> it's, all, it's Gaia. They just... They just this was a shot to the heart at Gaia. Oh, so funny. <laughs> I love the uh, the shot that you brought up of everybody getting their hats blown off because it's so is clearly a shot that the actors were just completely prepared for because they were going to get blasted by a, a very powerful hit of wind. And if you I mean, it's it cuts right as all of their stuff's getting blown off. But really, if you if you freeze frame on it. They all have their eyes closed already. Like they are all prepared to be blasted by <laughs> by this fan hitting them. I, it it makes me laugh to watch it now. I hadn't 
frozen it, but you're you're right. Except for that <laughs> poor guy in the back whose eyes are wide open, and I think he just gets us slammed with dust in his face. Sand. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> but the, even better is the shot immediately after that, right? Where you where it cuts to, you know, the, the hat gets blown off in the close up, and then you have Tony with his arms spread out, and he's getting knocked off balance, and they they caught that hat in the air flying over the, the rows of soldiers. <laughs> yeah, it really it really it, goes back there. It was great, <laughs> so funny. You sort of wonder where Tony had tested this weapon prior to exactly. uh, trying to sell it. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Where does one do that? Again, at the at the weapons testing grounds with no sheep. Weapons testing grounds. Right. Absolutely. Yes. No sheep. Right. No one Completely in the foothills. Vetted, totally safe. Yes. The foothills have uh, flak jackets. That's right. In just outside of Los Angeles, <laughs> where no one lives, yeah, and there's not a fault line. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't hit uh, these around, around the San Andreas. <laughs> so we don't ever see Jimmy Pratt or Ramirez anywhere in this crowd, which disappointed me a little bit. As I was looking through, I was like, we've got to have our three, uh, our three people from the Fun V at the beginning. They've got to be in here somewhere, right? No, but they're not. They're not making. They're not decision makers. They're just. Yeah, I know. They're probably back with. The Humvees yeah. just hanging sitting with there. the Hummers. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad for them a little bit. They're not going to get any of the booze. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think those are the guys you want drinking. I don't. I'm just saying those aren't the guys you want drinking on the job. <laughs> don't drink in Humvee, right? <laughs> Never drink in Humvee. It just gets worse. <laughs> the more we talk about it, it's just a terrible situation. It's a terrible it really situation. <laughs> no more war. <laughs> The you know what's interesting in the script this scene starts with Tony actually firing an NRF 425 machine gun and I looked online to find what that is and the only things that popped up were like Nerf guns and I'm like there's got to be something else other than these Nerf guns but <laughs> maybe that is what he was shooting maybe he's just sitting there shooting Nerf guns out there I really had no idea it's some very good special effects for a Nerf gun yeah well, he's playing with those and then he does the whole Jericho missile test so um, this booze box though I, I I have to say I really love it and I love the fact that you know if you spend five million or five hundred million then he'll throw that in. I know nice that's touch. a nice touch, right? It's just him being extra again. Like he brought a yeah. portable bar to a missile test in Afghanistan. But let's just add, like, what do you think the portable bar actually costs him? You know what I mean? What's the overhead <laughs> on that bar for a $500 million weapons purchase? <laughs> He's making out like a bandit. It's a drop in the really bucket. Is. Actually, all the profit's probably in the booze. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. it depends on what booze he stocks it with. It's all watered. You know, yeah. it's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, though, that through the series so far, I mean, we're 16 minutes in the movie. We already have a number of elements that really kind of point out the alcohol problems that the Tony Stark character has had in the comics. And this is a, another great bit. I, I think that works really nicely. The booze that we have in here, there's on the left, you've got a, a, a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue Label, Johnny Walker Black Label. And I, I think that it was a Jose Cuervo tequila, which seems like a weird choice, um, but that would be sandwiched between those other two. And then the bottle on the right is a, a much fancier one. It's a, I, I don't even know how you say this, Lafroyig? Lafroyig? I don't know. It's like <laughs> Celtic or something. Lafroyig. 
1987 Old Malt Cask Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Just recently, a bottle of this, this was February, was auctioned for 160 pounds, um, which is about $215. So it's a, it's a pricier scotch. And this is the what uh, I assume that this is what Tony is drinking at the beginning of the film, but I'm a little unsure because what's strange about this booze box that opens up as it rises, you've got nine martini type of glasses uh, of varying sizes. And then in the front, there are two pre-filled glasses. One is his glass of scotch, and then the other is a glass of, I don't know, some dark liquid or something. I just found that so strange that there's two glasses that are already ready for him, I guess. Right. And and I, was it shipped that way? <laughs> <laughs> like he snuck over and poured himself a glass and then put it back and locked it up and then did the weapons demo. And then is it watered sh- out now because it had ice? Because yeah. of the ice? Oh, it's not good planning, Tony. I was thinking that he had to, like before, while everybody was getting the missiles set up, he came over here and casually opened it and poured himself a drink. He probably already had a drink. <laughs> yeah. That maybe it was uh, his plane drink that he's been just constantly refilling from the plane and he just put it there to keep the dust out of it. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Who brought it as well? I mean, did the flight attendants bring it down? <laughs> They're standing just slightly out of frame. Yeah. <laughs> and they've delivered the booze. Hot towel. In fact, they're probably, uh, they're probably uh, <laughs> uh, with, with Jimmy and, uh, and uh, Ramirez and uh, the other guy. They're probably all hanging out. There you go. Man, uh, it's, it's an interesting scene. And then, of course, it, the scene ends with Obi calling Tony. Okay, so I, we can talk about this more a little bit uh, next time. Because it really ends. I mean, we see that that Obi calls and Tony pulls out his little funky flip phone, answers it, and we hear Obi start saying his name, and then it cuts off. That's the end of the scene. But Obi's in bed. So if Obadiah is in bed mm-hmm. and he says you know, he couldn't get to sleep until he found out what was going on. Oh shoot! This is tomorrow's minute. See? Yeah, you've already you've done it again. <laughs> I'm doing it again. As far as we know, conjecture Obadiah is in bed. Yeah. As far as we know, Obadiah yeah. is in bed. That's all we know. And he probably would have trouble sleeping because this is such an important sale, right? Well, and we do know that from L.A. to this area of the world, it's about eleven and a half hours different in the time zones. So if Obadiah is in bed. And he's up, you know, he, I don't know, somewhere between, say, I don't know, 10 p.m. and 6 a.m., right? Okay. So that would put, if, if we're, say, just 12 hours different, that'd be uh, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So that would be kind of the window of time that we'd be working in. So I think it still could work, the times okay. we were talking about yesterday. W- w- wait a minute. So you're, we're still sticking with what time is it in Afghanistan for Tony? Well, I don't know if we're sticking with it because you're right, because the sun does feel more like a noontime right. sun, maybe two. And if that's the case, then Obadiah being in bed, it's probably middle of the night, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So him having the light on, being, you know, doing his, his just chilling chilling shirtless in his fancy bed i'm gonna be shirtless and call tony (laughs) that's right (laughs) that's right i i do that with all of my uh partners uh that i work with i i try to do most of my calls at night with my shirt off (laughs) isn't that what yeah i'm sure that's adds professionalism to the whole conversation Yeah. yeah Yeah, I feel I, I feel like it's good. I feel like it, it it lets them know really what I'm made of. <laughs> 
Anyhow, I feel like the only way, <laughs> the whole point is, I feel like the only way we can make sense of the time is if they screwed up at uh, the time zone somehow for Tony in Afghanistan by four to six hours. That's all I'm saying. Well, but I think that you're right, because if, okay, let's just for now, and until we can get more of this conversation tomorrow, let's just say that, okay, if Tony is middle of the day, then that means that it's middle of the night for Obadiah. And yep. that, I think, is going to make sense. That works. So now now the game is going to backtrack everything to figure out, will it make sense 36 hours ahead of time to to place the award ceremony? Anybody if that's can like figure that out, in the afternoon, yeah, oh, can I know they? it's you. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to. <laughs> okay. It's all going to come together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um i don't know if we have anything else for this minute i feel like we've covered it what do you guys think any other little things that uh we need to hit well i just wanted to know what obadiah was wearing on his neck it's a it's a fairly sizable gauge chain what is that hanging there i don't know but i wouldn't be surprised if there's a bullet hanging out of front of him. Yeah. <laughs> right. ever any sense that there's something because it, it almost feels so big that they're hanging a flag on it I maybe we'll see in a future minute. I had never noticed. This is something that we'll have to pay attention to, like Obadiah's neckwear. Uh, That is a really, it is a really thick chain. It's a thick chain. I hear your sarcasm and this coming from the guy who is figuring out time zone math for a three minute sequence of this movie. (laughs) Go ahead. Keep talking. No, it's great. I love it. This is why we do these, these crazy shows because the minutia is just If not us, then who? That's all I have to say. (laughs) This has been so much fun. Minutia <laughs> database. <laughs> Minutia database. Uh, Lorraine, uh, again, so much fun to have you join us. Thank you so much for staying up late. Oh, I enjoyed this immensely. So thank you for having me. What is your favorite Marvel film, Lorraine? Uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Wow. So you started with your favorite. Yes. So in a way, it was a little disappointing. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was all downhill. You watched 20 other films yeah. and they all just... I've yeah. enjoyed the other ones, but that one was just revolutionary on a lot of levels. <sighs> well, we'll have to have you back when we get to that in... That's uh, right. Seven years or however many years it's going to be. It's a lot of minutes. <laughs> Yes, it's a, it's a little ways down yeah. the line. Well, if you need someone to discuss what Chris Teamsworth, I can certainly pitch hit there as well. You never know. Again, it's a lot of <laughs> minutes. All right. Lorraine, as Pete said, thank you again so much for joining us this uh, this last time. We're so glad to have had you. Thank you for having me. And remind everybody one last time, where can people find you? I can be found at Legible Scrawl or their Monday matinee. And um, you can also visit my writing blog at ticklelink.blogspot. And what is their Monday matinee? What's uh, what's that show? Uh, it is just a ongoing series. Uh, it runs about a year, and then they start a new story. It's fiction, and it's fun. Oh, fantastic. Very cool. Well, that is it for today's show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. <laughs> <laughs>